Now here we go. The regular season is over. And the top-seeded Utah Jazz are set to make their NBA playoff run. Hear every second of every moment of Jazz playoff basketball. Right here on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke here momentarily, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, get his thoughts on the Jazz going into the playoff. Yep, everyone is sort of, uh, you know, getting queued up, ready for uh, what's going to go. Play-in starts tonight, tomorrow night, and then uh, the Jazz will find out who they're going to play on Friday night. Or not play them on Friday night. They'll find out. They'll find out on yeah, Friday right. night and then ready to go on Sunday. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is a pretty exciting time for Jazz fans. I mean, when you have the team with the best record in the NBA, uh, yeah, folks want to see what comes next. Currently, playing game going on right now in the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference games are tonight. Western Conference games tomorrow. Uh, the Hornets are taking on the Pacers. The Pacers are currently winning, Gordon, 49-30. to 30. Yeah, that, that game didn't really capture your imagination, did no, it? No, <laughs> it seemed like a real dog from the beginning. But I, I guess I'm surprised the Pacers are hammering them that badly. The Pacers have been a little bit of a mess lately. So, mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's get out of the zone phone. His weekly appearance is brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. What's up, David? Hello, friends. How are you? We're great, man. Uh, how are you? You ready for the playoffs? Sure. I mean, we don't know who we're playing yet, so it makes prep a little difficult. But I'm digging deep into jazz prep and Western Conference wide prep and things like that. But, um, you know, usually you finish the season and it's like I go into this dark cave. Usually in the years past, the, our house has always run the same way. Is that the season ends, the family goes on a vacation without me. Um, I go into a dark cave for like three days, prep endlessly, and I can tell you whether, you know, James Harden's shoelace is untied, what he shoots if he goes right. Um, but this year's just so different because we're not going to know till Friday night who we're playing. What do you expect to happen, David? What do you think are, are, are the likely results? Um, so it'll be Lakers, Warriors, 7, 8, or 8, 7. I'm not sure. Um, I left the arena uh, thinking the Warriors would beat the Lakers. Um, I did a bunch of research yet, uh, that night and the next morning and kind of looked back at the Lakers and the fact they were, you know, I think 14 and 4 or 15 and 4 when in their first 15, 18 games of the, you know, 20 games of the season. They were pretty dominant. You go back and look at the numbers. They had, like, the number one defense and the number seven offense. They were, like, the third best team overall. You're like, okay, they they are still great. Um, then the only thing that flipped is I did some research today on the Warriors, and, you know, largely what's happened with the Warriors, frankly, is that they uh, they got rid of two players that weren't good in Kelly Oubre and James Wiseman, and the – departure of those two players has made them a great basketball team. Not like good, like great. Like if you go run the numbers 
on the players that they'll have available to put on the floor and what their plus minus are when those players play, the the Warriors are plus 14.2 for 100 possessions. And the fact is they're going to have Draymond and Steph on the floor for 40 minutes a night together. They play them only together. They're plus 15.4 when those two players are on the floor together if you get rid of the Kelly Oubre and James Wiseman minutes that were screwing them up. Would you rather play the Mavericks than either one? Yes, I'd rather play the Suns than either one. I'd rather play the Nuggets than either one. I'd rather play the Blazers, and I'd really rather play the Grizzlies or Spurs. <laughs> Don't think that last. I one's think there happen. are four. I think as of right now, my belief is that there are four teams that are better than everyone else, and they are the Clippers. You know, statistically, if I if I just look at it statistically in order, they are the Lakers. Interestingly enough, the Warriors, the Jazz, and the Lakers. Now, I think we know, but the Lakers, when they have LeBron and Anthony Davis on the floor, are plus fourteen point one. The Jazz, when they have Rudy Gobert on the floor, are plus fifteen point one. The Clippers, when they have Kawhi and Paul George on the floor, are seventeen point six. When the Warriors have Steph and Draymond, as we said, they're fifteen point four. So. Those teams are all better than anyone else. The Suns, the Mavericks, the Blazers, the Nuggets, they aren't there. In fact, the other thing my research has shown is leads me to believe the Blazers are going to get the Nuggets. The Nuggets, as much as it was like a feel-good story that they're surviving without Jamal Murray, eh, when you really dug into it, they really weren't surviving without Jamal Murray. And if you really look into the Blazers, since Nurkic has got healthy, since they've added Norman Powell, they're pretty good. In fact, when they have... Dame and Nurkic on the floor together, I think they're about an 11. And when they add Norman Powell and CJ, they're a plus 15. So then they're right up into that group. So, David, when you say, I think some of our listeners might be a little bit surprised when you say you'd rather see the Suns because the Jazz struggled against the Suns during the regular season. As you've done your research in those particular games, what, what, uh, what, what can be fixed there if those two teams were to ever match up? Um, I think Quinn would figure out how to score. They're 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 tough. They're long. Um, you know, Mikel Bridges is a great defensive player. Jay Crowder's a good defensive player. They're long. We've shot terribly against them. They've blown up our rhythm offensively, so we haven't gotten our three point shots the way we want to. That third game, I believe, we don't have Donovan or Mike Conley, and then they they did some switching that makes you know when we didn't have Donovan and Mike, you could just switch on us because we didn't have enough one on one players. Um, you know, it's what the war. You know, if we get the Warriors in a seven-game series, I think we beat them. Um, if we don't, it's really only because they're just way, way better than everybody else thinks they are. To, to the point of the numbers I just showed you a minute ago, um, you know, they they really might be terrific. Um, so, but I, I would suspect that we would. You know, one of the reasons they beat us last time is they just switched everything as well, and we just you know Jordan had the big night because he's the only guy who can go one on one. We don't have another. You know, the beauty of our team is we have three pick-and-roll guys and three guys can go one-on-one. And so no matter what you do defensively, we usually have an answer. But when you don't have two of those guys, you only have one guy who can play pick-and-roll and you only have one guy who can go one-on-one, then you're not nearly as potent. So that's part of the Phoenix situation. Second time they beat us, they did it with offensive rebounding. I don't think that happens in the playoffs. And, I, you know, the first time they just they just beat us. They're really good. But they're not – they were really healthy like that's, I think the other thing is they were, they're only, but actually, you know, I'll give them a credit. Like if you take, 
all the teams just against the other eight elite Western Conference playoff teams, so the other seven, right? They had the best plus-minus, like against the other elite playoff teams in the West, not including Memphis and San Antonio. They they were the best plus-minus, but they are also the healthiest all year. So, again, that includes playing the Lakers without LeBron or playing the Jazz without Mike and Don. So it's a little – they were crazy healthy. David, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read Mannix's latest about the Jazz long piece. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was great, and we had Chris on earlier in the show. If you get a few minutes, it's it's certainly worth a listen. But one part of it, he writes about how Rudy actually advocated for Derek Favors' return in the offseason. And the reason was is because Rudy last year didn't feel like he could be play his game, be as aggressive, because he was worried about fouling out because the team got so much worse when he left the floor, which, of course, was – was true, and the Jazz signed favors, and now Rudy's having the arguably best defensive season of all time, certainly the best defensive season of his career. So through that lens, David, just how impactful was the signing of Derek Favors? So the defense has cratered this year when Gobert goes off the floor um, the same way it did last year, but it's it's been different. The numbers are the same. The, de- the impact is different. And the biggest thing is that Derek Favors – and particularly their offense has been really good when he's on the floor so that they've been positive still in the main lineups. But Derek Favors comes in with like five, like four or five minutes into the game. So he's still, he goes and plays his first five-minute stint, five or six minutes, against the other team's starter. And the Jazz best lineup and the lineup that's dominated the most and the reason why they had such an incredible season, I think 52 and 20 or whatever it was, just amazing, is because of the fact uh, that the Jazz, with about a minute and a half left in the first and third quarters, go to a lineup of Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert. And that group plays the final minute and a half of the first quarter and about the first four minutes of the second quarter. And they do the same in the third and the fourth, and it's against a bench unit. And so we're putting out two all-stars, two sixth men of the year, and George Niang against a bench unit. And we've crushed people. And the reason we can do that is because Derek Favors can play minutes against starters. And so that's where, as much as I love the metrics, and the metrics would tell you that the defense – has cratered the same way this year without Rudy as it did last year. And that's true. It's a testament of how great Rudy is. But it also is different minutes than they were last year. Last year they were against bench teams, and we were struggling in those minutes. And this year is, you know, we're hanging against other team starters and then crushing their second unit. Now, you know, can't will that be, you know, if we get the Warriors, that's eight minutes in which Steph and Draymond are off the floor through four minutes of each side. So that's, going to be, you know, those are key minutes against the Lakers. You know, that's probably Marcus Sol at center. So that's not nearly as, um, you know, that's not nearly as easy as some of the other matchups we've had this year and probably has AD or LeBron on the floor. David, one, a couple of the things that stood out to me and what Chris wrote about the Jazz, and he sort of uh, focused in on Donovan Mitchell a lot. And I think Donovan, he quoted Donovan in there as saying that the Jazz learned more from the loss in the bubble after leading 3-1 than they would have had they won that. 
I thought that was interesting, but but and so I wanted to bring that up to you. And the other thing, the word that comes to mind out of that experience in the bubble last year for the Jazz and the Jazz is bouncing out of it is determination. It, you know, studying the film and Donovan trying to get better and being determined to get better and wanting his teammates to get better and all of those things sort of rolled together. And what was uh, everyone has to uh, sort of uh, describe as a very successful season. So it's interesting, Gordon, because I remember we played the Knicks early in the year. I don't have the first half schedule up. So someone's going to have to tell me. Uh, oh, I do. We played the Knicks. So that's like January 6th. So that was like we were not good yet, right? We actually were terrible still at this point. So it was like the eighth game of the year, and Rebecca Harlow who was the TNT reporter, I think, for some of those games in the bubble, works for the Knicks, and she and I were chatting. And she's like, are they just, you know, do they just, have they endlessly talked about losing 3-1? And I was like, no, actually, I haven't heard it at all. Like, I didn't hear them talk about this very much in training camp. Did you? Not really. So it's interesting to hear the narrative now, which might make it more truthful. Um or maybe it's a narrative that's created itself over the time. And I, I don't have any doubt that Donovan worked and Rudy worked. And I mean, I just, and maybe the bubble was just weird, right? Like, I mean, George Hill stops playing Milwaukee and then Gary Harris has enough time to get healthy and the Jazz lose their momentum. And like, there's just weird stuff that went on, right? Like they win that series if they don't stop play. There's just no question. So I, I, I don't know what, you know, I don't really know what happened there, but um, I, I would say, I don't know. It's interesting. I guess that's my point is if it was something that they were really driven by internally or in the off season, that is true. They did not talk about it a great deal. We don't have the same access to them that we usually have. You know, I know it's been something the coaches have worried about. There's some characteristics they saw in the three, one uh, loss that they don't want to see out of this team. And they saw it a few times early in the year and it was really bothersome to them, but I, I haven't heard it be a narrative that was talked about a lot. David Locke is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is not jazz-related, but uh, the the basketball fan in you, the old-school basketball fan in you, what do you think about what the Clippers did to intentionally lose the last two games of the year to slide to four? Not only that they lost them, but the way they did. I mean, they lost to basically the two worst teams in the league on purpose. Um, I'm sure... It went on a million times in the old school, too, and people just don't, didn't talk about it the same way. Um, I'm certain of it. I bet you I could go back and find it. Um, you know, it's not great for the game, but on the other end, they put themselves in a position where they could do it. Um, you know, here's the interesting one to me about what they did. Um, and I got it. They didn't want to play the Lakers in the first round. They may have cost themselves home court advantage in the Western Conference Finals. So it's not an outlandish concept that the Western Conference Finals is Denver against the Clippers, right? Could happen. So uh, that would be, you know, if, if they get to the Western Conference Finals and suddenly they're playing their first game at Denver, is it worth it? Depends but on that how much you value ri- home court That advantage. was the only risk, right? Like, right. I mean, so, you know, I – I don't. I don't actually have a problem. I mean, I don't like it, but I don't have a problem with it at all. Like it's, you're just. Try- I'm a big believer, and you're just trying to move the percentages. It's like it's, you know, like what are the things I do believe in? Like one of the biggest things I believe in more than anything else is defensive 
shot location. Like you guys have heard me talk about it. I'm the only, you know, I bore the crap out of your listeners and ruin your ratings all the time. But I like am a huge believer in defensive shot location, like force them to not, don't allow the rim, don't allow threes, make them take mid-range jumpers. Really don't allow the rim first. And, you know, Washington, everyone's talking about Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Washington had the best defensive shot location all season long, and they were just getting incredibly unlucky defensively. And it came, you know, part of those, they started playing better, but they also got started getting lucky. Things went right. Like, so then, you know, teams missed the appropriate amount of shots that they weren't missing earlier in a smaller sample size. Russ got out and ran on it because they – force the best defensive shot location in the NBA. Watch tonight. Boston will get no shots at the rim in this game. They just do not let you shoot at the rim. Like, the Jazz are the only team in the NBA the last two years that has been in the top five defending the rim, denying shots at the rim and denying threes. Like, I'm a huge believer in that. I think, you know, shot percentages kind of get back to average most of the time. And so defensive shot percentage is a way that you save 1% or 2% on a game. Offensive rebounding has become, as it drops down, as a way you save 1% or 2% to make you have a better chance to win. So what the Clippers did is they moved their meter a tiny bit, and I don't really have a huge problem moving your meter. So the, Euro is... foul, the Euro foul, which I don't know if you ever heard me talk about, Jake, <laughs> I know this is disgusting. It's the worst thing in the game. It's a million times worse than what the Clippers did. But it works. But it works. So, like, if you're going to have a problem with the Clippers, get Matt Quinn for bringing the Eurofell to the American <laughs> game. And I don't know if you know this, Jake. It's against the rules in Europe, David? I heard yep. somebody say that. <laughs> somebody, you heard that. Somebody out there, some wise somebody guy. Somebody tells me that. you guys have discussed this a few times. It's come up before. Ron, yeah. Ron Boone told me about it in the 72nd game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, let me ask you a typical talk radio question, but I'm I'm really curious to get your opinion on it based on the balance that you have between your statistical research and just what uh, what you're seeing. What are What's the biggest surprise that you take away from what you saw the Jazz do this year, and what's your biggest surprise league-wide? Uh, the biggest surprise on the Jazz to me is when they shot in the shot clock. I mean, it's a really transformative change of where they all- the allocation of their shots in a shot, in the shot clock. That's, and that's crazy hard to do without much change. I mean, that's just an incredible coaching effort, um, team buy-in, but, um, you know, I think that's the most untalked about thing on this team, by the way, if you listen to like Joe Ingalls doing an interview or George Niang doing an interview or Mike Conley doing like particularly Mike Conley is the one who amazes me the most, the faith that these guys have in Clint Snyder is just unbelievable. Right. So like Quinn Snyder comes into training camp and starts professing something clearly to them. They know, oh, he stayed up all night long. He's researched it. It's analytically proven and he knows what he's doing and we're going to get an advantage because of it. Like, it's just amazing the faith they have. And he's clearly earned it over the seven, eight years he's been with the team. And, you know, he's been right every time, but it's still just amazing to me how much faith. And Mike Conley's the one that jumps out to me on that topic because there's the guy who probably had every right to not have faith, right? His first year didn't go well. He's coming into a free agent year. It wasn't going to, you know, he's going to cost himself a bunch of money if this didn't work out again. And he bought in. So clearly, you know, Quinn's ability to get him to believe. So that's the first thing, that complete transformation. League-wide... I mean, the offensive explosion that we're experiencing in this league didn't slow down. It accelerated in a year where it feels like it would go the other way. 
you know, no practice, fatigue, injuries. Like, I don't know what we're about to embark on, but I think we're still at the tip of the iceberg. And, I mean, it used to be an unheard of concept that a team would average 1.2 points per possession. I, I think we're there, and we're there with multiple teams doing it in the next year or two. So the best this year was 117.3 with Brooklyn and Portland. But we had, I think, seven teams over 116 offensive rating. And the reason I use that as a reference point is the Dallas Mavericks last year were a 115.9. That's points. So this is just sorry. Let me back up. So someone has no idea what I'm talking about. I try to make some sense out of this because I actually think this is incredibly interesting. Um, You can decide afterwards and talk about how boring it was. So what they do to equate for the fact that some teams will play 105 possessions a game and other people are playing 98 is they equalize everything to 100 possessions, so it's equalized for pace. Okay, last year Dallas was 116 for 100 possessions. You with me, Gordon? Gordon, wake up. I'm there. Okay, number two in the league, so that was the greatest single offensive efficiency team in the history of the game. The Clippers last year were 113.3, okay? So the number two team in the offensive in the league last year would be number 11 this year. Hmm. Dallas last year, as we just said a moment ago, was the number one team at 116. There were seven teams this year better than that. So seven teams better than the best team last year that was historical and 11 teams better than almost half the league was better than last year's second-best offense. How's that happen? I mean, it's an incredible explosion. Well, David, thank you uh, for jumping on with us as always. Enjoy a a few days off before the big playoff push, man. It's going to be fun. I have a question for you. Okay. What do you do to recover your audience after I leave and get it back? Well, in this case, we'll uh, head out and talk some IT security with our guy, Gabe, Go- Gabe Gomez. Well, that will be way more interesting than what I just <laughs> very, very important topic. I don't know if you paid attention to the news last week, but, uh, you know, ransomware and that type of thing is, uh, is I've heard not of good. It. Yeah, not good at all. Oh, you are in the yeah. tech world these days. You're like a, you're like a tech, uh, tech giant. The Locked On a Network. Titan? Yeah, Titan. That's what I'm looking for. You know, I just don't think the word podcast and Titan go in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, but no, David, you know we, that, uh, we you always... Know time, you know that Time Warner Discovery thing that happened yesterday? That is a Titan. True. But uh, no, David, we always enjoy broadcasting your info. It's it's honestly one of the highlights of the week. You always bring it strong. All right. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. That's our friend David Locke. Uh, joins us every week. Joined us Tuesday today. We swapped David and Bowler. Uh, Bowler needed to move around a little bit, but uh, we need both those guys on the show every week. It's it's important. Can you be a genius and be a podcaster at the same time? Sure, we're on podcast. I, I thought I I thought I heard somewhere. I may have heard it today. Somewhere I'm, I'm not sure that uh, that Elon Musk was a was a DJ or something. I don't know. Doesn't surprise me. Is that is that fake news? I don't. I thought I heard that. Not sure. Jake, think about what the future might hold for you. Not that you're a DJ now, but you're on the radio. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, you could be 
sending, you know, moonshots off later on. No, doubt it. Okay. No. Let's get out to the uh, zone phone. Joining us now, though, our friend from Syringa Networks, he is Gabe. And uh, Gabe, no, I, I don't think I'm I'm capable of of much success in the uh, in the tech business world. But you know what? If there are folks out there, tech uh, industry around here booming, uh, they need people uh, to protect them, and they need IT services just like everybody else. Yeah, that is correct. It never hurts to have a second set of eyes. Uh, take a look at your IT security plan to make sure that uh, you've got all your bases covered, even large uh, entities like the you know the, the most recent one that was in the press. Uh, very large company and certainly have an IT department, but uh, it never hurt to get uh, some experts to help you out and uh, take a look at uh, your your plans for IT security. It's a big deal. I mean, uh, it could cost you millions, right? Oh, without question. It's, you know, and generally companies wind up having to pay, you know, ransomware, but it go, the, the cost goes far beyond that in terms of lost productivity, lost products, having to rebuild servers, all kinds of things. So the, the cost of the, the $5 million they paid is just a drop in the bucket. And this is just one part of all the great things you guys do at Syringa Networks, right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. We offer Internet access. We offer a telephone service. We offer um, other ways to connect your businesses together, whether you're in Utah or somewhere else. We have over 2,000 miles of fiber and nearly 1,000 buildings uh, connected to our fiber within the within the, just the state of Utah alone. So we offer the full gambit of telecom and IT, managed IT services. All right, and they are here local. They're here to help you if uh, you want to get the ball rolling on this, syringanetworks.net. Log on syringanetworks.net or simply call 385-420-7881. That's 385-420-7881, Syringa Networks. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you, Jake. All right, well, more coming up straight ahead. It's Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.